1: Welcome listeners to this speaking from our hearts podcast episode. Today I'm joined by a lady that's been on previous episodes with us, um, a lady by the name of Kim Hamer. Kim, a very, very warm welcome to you.
0: Hello, Paul. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm Excited to be back. What shall we dance about
1: this time? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, interesting. I think um, one of the great topics of, of discussion that you know we can all get so much out of because you know it's so diverse um, in, in its in its breadth and its depth is is when we talk about how our human needs and you know as human beings you know why do we do the things that we do, you know. How many times have we heard somebody say or even said it ourselves, Kim? I don't believe I've just said that or I don't believe I've just done that. Where did that come from? Um, It stems from our human needs. And we're, you know, sometimes we go in autopilot. We do something. We say something. We're meeting a need. And, you know, just to sort of flag up that that need uh, can be met either positively or negatively. So uh, I propose, Kim, we start our dance on the floor around uh, human needs. It sounds like a great plan to me. So obviously within human needs, there are various models. Um, You know, Maslow, um, he had his hierarchy of needs where there was this pyramid uh, that started off at the bottom with basic needs like, you know, warmth, shelter, water, food, um, sex, you know, all the things that we, we kind of need as human beings. And then there were different levels, and as you escalated up the the, uh, the pyramid, right at the top was the what he called self-actualization, you know, being the best we can be, because all our basic needs were met underneath that. The model that I want to use today, Kim, if we can, is Tony Robbins' six human needs model, because uh, not from any theoretical perspective, but you know, when I look at my own transition, my own transformation. Um, you know, from from darkness to, um, from darkness to light at the risk of sounding simplistic, um, I can really, really endorse that these six human needs do work in a very, very, very strong practical way. They're not just some fancy theory. So um, yeah, that, that's where I um, uh, I propose we start Kim and maybe the, you know, start on the, on the first one of those six human needs, the need for certainty. Any, yes. any thoughts Kim from your own point of view of why we need certainty in our lives why you personally need certainty
0: it's a really interesting place to start because it's something I do a lot of um, work on with businesses and business leaders about actually mastering the uncertainty of life and I, I this certainty question is really interesting I There's part of me that that thinks, does it stem from, you know, years ago we needed to be, you know, quite certain when we were living in caves, we needed to know the environment, we needed to know what was coming because it was all about actual physical survival. You know, this underlying premise of, you know, we need to, um, you know, live to procreate the species and then the rest is you know the 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 rest doesn't matter quite so much so you know i do wonder whether there's something so so integral to how we're made and how we're wired because it seems that we are we are driven to look for certainty it's not just a nice to have it's um you know it stop you know if there's no certainty it can stop us moving forward it can stop us making decisions so i think this is a you know a great place to start on our human needs journey
1: mm. certainly uh, and i've shared this before kim on more than one occasion but you know in my in a former life where i'd got a, a label called addiction around alcohol which lasted for decades and but that gave me certainty my drinking gave me certainty it also created a lot of chaos um, it gave me a lot of uncertainty, which is the the, the second human need. Uh, but let's park that second one for a moment. That certainty, because what I was doing through my, um, you know, my drinking, um, first of all, by having um, being rubber stamped by the system as being, um, you know, um, Somebody with a drink problem, an addict, if you will. Uh, that I really don't like, and I totally reject that label. But let's use it for you know for the purpose of being sensationalist, I suppose. But that sort of label I've got that gave me certainty. It's like because at the time the system, the people in authority, they've rubber stamped me. I'm official, so that makes my world that I'm you know I've got an alcohol addiction. That makes it very certain for me because people that know better than me have said so. Then, from a more personal level, Kim, it's like, okay, I would control my psychological addiction through drinking, um, because I called it my black and white approach, my black and white years. I would either be absolutely mad on the drink, because I was a binger, which would last for weeks, if not months, or I would be off it. There was never, ever any little bit in between. It was all or nothing which actually reflected the whole certainty of my mindset. And it wasn't about the drink. It could have been anything. And when I was off the drink, I threw that need for certainty. I had to win at all costs. It was all stemming from fear and insecurity and vulnerability. That's why I clamored. I had to be secure in what I would control. Um, some people that you know around me, Kim, they they classed it as OCD I had to everything just lined up you know if there was a salt and pepper popped on the table I had to line it up it had to be systematic uh that brought out the engineering me so that my need for certainty became very 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 high very high mm. because mm. of all the chaos that had prevailed with my upbringing as a child and I think you know when we talk to to people around you know what challenges they've got in life because You know can be whatever usually when we go back to you know those earlier years um doesn't have to be earlier years but there's there's a lot of telltale signs of why we need um you know that need for certainty i don't know if you can relate to that in any way kim
0: yeah as you were speaking i was thinking of a of a couple of things actually i was thinking about the importance of labels to us Mm -hmm. and how that helps us feel certain about ourselves so you were talking about the label of addiction um and with alcohol OCD. Um, and I was thinking about how quick we are to label things, to pigeonhole things, to define things. Um, one of the, the books I've read recently is why it's called um, Why We Sleep uh, by uh, Matthew Walker. And what's really fascinating about it is he actually talks about the, you know, the physical ramifications of sleep. And in that, you can see that actually people potentially don't get you know born with things like ADHD i'm not saying that some don't but but a lot of people it's it's actually something else that's going on that that needs to be addressed so it might be a pattern of sleep it might be you know sleeping behaviors that sort of thing but what it made me realize is that we're so quick not only to label others but to fit ourselves into a box so we so we it's almost like so we know how to relate to ourselves you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about you know my connection with being Dutch. So I wasn't born in Holland, but my dad was. And my sister and I have always had a really, really strong connection to our Dutch heritage, despite not living there. Um, dad was in Australia since he was seven. So, you know, what is it that makes us so certain about this, this connection to being Dutch? Because that's a label we both use, that, you know, we're Australian, but... I'm also Dutch. So uh, you know the, the label thing. I think was really interesting when you when you said OCD. I thought, isn't it interesting how people want to label it? You could be just neat and tidy. I don't know. Hmm. You know, I've not seen you move the salt and pepper shakers, but um, you know, this this black and whiteness of certainty um, doesn't fit with this whole thing of life's a spectrum, and I think that's what makes it so unnerving. Um, for us when we, when we move out of our comfort zone, we move into what's uncertain and what we don't know, what's ambiguous, what doesn't have rules. Um, how do I play when I'm not certain about the rules, when I'm not certain about what it takes to get what I want? You know, I think there, there's a whole lot of stuff that came up as you were talking then, Paul.
1: Yeah, and you know that's you know if we use model uh, Robbins's model of the six human needs, that's obviously just one of them, Kim. And, and like you absolutely quite rightly say, I mean, you know what's going through your mind with different thoughts and angles and slants and you know concepts. It's like you know we we could be here for, we could be here forever just talking about certainty, let alone the other five. Um exactly. but it's it, it is absolutely monumental, and I think you know that that whole con- that it brings in the, the then you know words like fear and you know i've used vulnerable and insecure which you know is fear-based um Ooh. the whole thing that really in a word i'm going to throw a word out there now kim that uh, i don't think gets nowhere near enough airtime in you know in terms of our lives and why we do the things that but it's lack you know that word lack you know love and mm. fear is kind of painted as a you know, a simplistic choice. And, and I think in many respects it is. I think if, you know, if there's a sufficient level of awareness there, you know, if, if we really know what's going off in, in our world, um it is, a, it is a conscious choice between love and fear. But for me, there's something that actually influences both of those that sits underneath, if you like, and it's that lack you know, so with that lack, so, you know, for me, I'd got lack of happiness. I'd got lack of control. I'd got lack of everything. That's why I clamored for certainty. I'm going to take control back. I'm going to dictate exactly what's happening day in, day out. You know, I'd be out drinking with the boys, and one of the guys had said, Right, let's go to another pub now. No, 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 no. Yeah, but Paul, it's three o'clock. We always go at three o'clock. We're not going today. I needed to control even that. And that was just a, a silly example of, well, the need for control. And, mm. you know, I think it's not until we share these experiences, Kim, of something that, you know, most people think, well, oh, blimey, that's that's a bit extreme. But it, we do these things with probably, you know, I'm not saying the exact same thing, but we do similar kind of things where if we are feeling vulnerable and insecure, to keep using those two two words, We need to take that control back. And that's what that certainty is all about, isn't it? Mm, It is.
0: There's something about... I think that there's this thing about keeping ourselves safe. Mm. You know, there's a little chimp inside our monkey brain going, my job is to keep you safe and alive. That is my job. So whether it's a real fear, like, you know, we're hardwired to stop being eaten by lions, or we're hardwired to not be embarrassed, to not be frightened, to not be any of that, the, the response in our brain is still the same. So it responds in the same way by going, right, I need to take back control. I need to be certain. I need to know how this is going to go.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, and what's interesting, um, and, and apparently this science to back this up from Robin's perspective of, you know, if we meet... These need, and we will meet these needs, as I've already said. In you know the fact that I met mine in an extremely negative way, mm. actually, is academic. I was meeting the need. Yeah. And the trick is obviously to meet the need in a positive way. So when I referred to that that kind of black and white polarization, there, um, the flip side of that is when I was on one of my white phases or not drinking, self-imposed self-imposed uh, abstinence, I would go to the other extreme. And do charitable work. I'd train really hard physically, you know. I'd get myself uh, in a new relationship because invariably, when I was drinking, um, I would I would sabotage the you know whatever relationship I was in, whether that was an intimate one or you know with with a career that I, you know whatever I was doing at the time. I would I would deliberately you know so there was a lot of deservedness issues there as well that said, you know what, Paul, you ain't good enough. your, your stepdad, the beast, was right. You're less than nothing, and you'll never be loved, and you will never achieve anything, and that becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. Um, you know, so there's a and that actually, in its way, um, by me becoming the victim of that, being a victim actually gave me certainty because I know yeah. I'm a victim because everything he said is right. Look, and then when I come off the drink, Kim, I'd go to the other extreme. No, no, no. And that was sheer sort of defiance and bloody mindedness. I'm going to prove him and the world wrong. But I couldn't sustain either. Hence the black and white polarisation. Yeah. And that swinging
0: yeah. between it, which, you know, is, I, you know, confusing and uncertain for us as we're swinging, you know, from one to the other. But actually being in the middle. Is is can be a really uncomfortable place to be because you're not one or the other. Which which bit do I plug in today in this moment? Um, You know, all I think there's a there's a lot about um, you know about how we need to be certain. You only have to look at how far fake news has gone. Mm. You know, people just want to be certain about a view or an opinion. It doesn't. It sort of almost doesn't seem to matter how well informed. It is. I'd rather be certain than right.
1: Yeah, that's that's a very interesting one, Kim. I've just um, I've just done a blog around, you know, politicians and, uh, um, you know, their fear-mongering and the fake news. And, you know, it's like, okay, you want to play those silly games, but do you know what? You're playing with people's lives. Mm. You're playing with people's lives. I mean, obviously, the Brexit situation in the UK over the last three and a half, nearly four years, has been... Well, to call it farcical has been is being polite, but I think it's the kind of, you know, the uncertainty uh, that that's created within people's worlds, and you know, you know, the financial for business people, the financial uncertainty, and we're kind of flipping away now very nicely, I think, um, into the the flip side of certainty as a human need into the other one, which is uncertainty or variety, because equally we need that one as well, don't we, in our world? Uh, yes,
0: this this we on this end of the conversation does. Um, I think what's really interesting is, like, I am, you know, I'm driven by variety, my career, my, you know, my, my life generally. Um, I'm not the girl you leave to manage the status quo. I will find things to change. Um, I'm the one who goes in and creates new things, who turns businesses around, who ventures out and explores and all of that sort of thing, and asking me not to do that, which is one of the reasons when I left corporate life, I had the opportunity to go with the business who'd taken us over to to the US. It was one of the reasons I didn't take it because it was like a let's manage the status quo job. It wasn't the work I'd been doing and I thought, I think inside I might, something inside me will die if I do that. So I'm, um, I think, unusually um, wired for uh, variety. I seem to handle uncertainty okay, but, you know, with the best will in the world, there are moments I want control and certainty as well. So it's a really interesting, variety's a, you know, a big plug-in for me
1: and it's a big driver in my life. Mm. The, the reason I use the uh, the royal we there, Kim, as a, as a sort of collective is, you know, because just going back to the need for certainty, if we've got too much certainty, that's that's basically um, that's boredom. Yeah, that's boredom. And so, you know, even me, if I can sort of be allowed to use that context of, you know, that certainty, everything for all the reasons I've mentioned, and it gave me um, it also gave me boredom as well because it's like okay, I'm going to the same pub, talking to the same people, doing the same things, recycling mm. the same old garbage, um, and that that was the reality, or that was my reality, you know. And and uh, I think when the brain's pickled, uh, reality becomes even more distorted. Certainly, mine did because I got I used to get all kinds of delusions of grandeur about being the next Mario Lanza opera singer and. Uh, performing in, you know, in the local wine lodge at three o'clock in the afternoon when I was worse than we And, yeah, I thought I sounded good, but um, judging by the number of times I got thrown out, Kim, probably not.
0: No. <laughs> you said something there. You know, when you said boredom, yeah. this immediate image came to me of my my dad. And he used to say to us as as little kids, clever children do not get bored. Mm. And I, I I hadn't thought about that for such a long time, um, and of course it was it was good to be clever. It was nice to be clever. I'm a clever person. That's one of my labels. <laughs> mm. But this whole thing about it just made me um, wonder how much that's had to do with with my need for variety and my need not to to manage the status quo. That I have this 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 thing deep down that goes, um, you know, clever clever people don't get bored
1: yeah yeah Yeah,
0: it's interesting
1: it is and and, you know this is the whole point of of conversations and dances like this kim isn't it to raise awareness and you know offer different perspectives it's not saying that one's right or one's wrong or it's not saying anything other than you know having a dance sharing the energy sharing the insights and um, you know people will make up their own minds whether it resonates or not with them um so just flipping back to the uncertainty what the drink all also gave me personally kim is as i've kind of alluded to there you know when i was a little bit of the worst for wear i never knew quite what was going to happen next it could be a fight i'd break out or i'd start a fight uh, because i had some very very strong views around certain things particularly if i saw a, a woman being picked on um, because mm-hmm. I witnessed that from childhood with my mother being beat up regularly, trying to defend me, being beat up as a child at the hands of my stepfather, you know, so I had very very strong views around that. And you know, you, historically, you'd see people falling out, worse for wear, and I'd step in, judge, jury, executioner. I got myself in a lot of trouble over that. But that's an example of of the uncertainty because I never knew how I was going to react. Uh, or what I was going to do next Um, yet again that was symptomatic of my own insecurity and and conversely on a more, well what I thought was a more humorous note is bursting out into song at the top of my voice Um, and there were times actually when I used to flirt with that high C so I thought I was really good but mm. (laughs) anyway that's another story Mm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah um maybe
0: so, this that that was more about your need for the next human need paul significance
1: yeah absolutely it was absolutely it was so you know as i've already said you know the the drink was meeting my need uh, at a very high level for certainty it was also meeting my need albeit very negatively Uh, at a very very high level for uncertainty the one you've just mentioned there Kim the third one significance absolutely it it did because what I was really saying was just to repeat what's kind of uh, been stated a few times already was I was so hurt fragile vulnerable and insecure inside I was like a little child that had been beat because that's basically even as a man what I I was still carrying I had You know, and the mental cruelty, the torture, the violence, the abuse. I hadn't I hadn't dealt with it. And, you know, in those days, Kim, you know, I mean, we're sort of of a similar age. I don't know about Mm. the Australian culture, but certainly, you know, within the UK, it was children should be seen and not heard. Shut up. and Get on with it. Or if you cry, I'll give you something to cry for. Um, yes
0: my mum used to say that stop (laughs) sniffling or I'll really give you something to cry
1: about (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. so you know that need for significance you know absolutely it also met that on a very very high level as well because what I was saying was even with the start in a fight what I was was kind of that was fear based get in first Paul get in first and make a statement and I used to be terrified and I'd be sick after a fight because it's like the real me was saying, Paul, what what have you just done? Why did you do that? Why? And this whole craziness that was prevailing in my world. So there's three needs, Kim, straight away that's met at a very, very high level. Now, what the scientific evidence and, and certainly what Robbins purports to is the fact that if you meet three of your six needs at a six or, you know, whatever a six is, which is deemed a sort of fairly high level, I suppose, because it's over halfway, you've got an addiction. You are addicted to that, which actually played out because I was, so the expert said, an alcohol addict. Uh. So it all become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, you know, I didn't, you know, at the time, Kim, I didn't understand any of this. I mean, this is stuff that I've learned later. I've looked back on and, and now kind of happily share with people to say, you know, the, the the upshot of it is, you know, this behavior this that was met by these needs, it can be changed because I've said more than one occasion, we we'll, we can meet our needs either positively or negatively. And obviously what I needed to do was, was flip that coin and, meet and start meeting, you know, things more um, positively or consistently positively. And I think that's also, Kim, why I've all, all my life sort of, you know, rather patronizing term, but one I used for many, many, many years, fought for the underdog um, mm. because that gave me significance as well. What about your own life though, Kim? I mean, what? how can you relate to, you know, particularly the need for significance, that driving on and that look at me world, look what I'm doing or not as the case may be.
0: Mm. It, it, it's interesting. I think it's, it's become that need feels uh, more potent uh in the last sort of three or four years and particularly so i think if i go back and think about my um my childhood and then going into a career it was always about um you know working hard being clever all of those messages you know i couldn't rest on my laurels there was no such thing as as that um but it wasn't until i i sort of gotten to my late 40s that i started to wonder what it all was for and who was i really making you know was i really was i really making a difference to anybody and um you know i think that that was brought on i think we've talked in previous conversations paul about um you know i turned 47 and i had this whole sort of epiphany about only being halfway through my life um given my my grandmother had died at 94 and you know i just i couldn't see any purpose for my life I, I just didn't know what i was going to do for the next you know 47 50 years and i think that shocked me mm. and that i think i've been much more um, open and perhaps seeking things that where i feel i can make a difference even in my, in my in my paid consulting Work, the, the thing that is most rewarding is not just doing the work for someone, but seeing them grow and become capable and go, I've, and, and thinking, oh, I've left them with a change, I've made a change for them, and it's great, and all of that sort of thing. So, you know, I think I feel like significance was perhaps underserved for a long time. Um, and I, I didn't really acknowledge um, what that meant to me until I got older
1: yeah Kim I think what we've done here um, you know we've kind of laid a foundation on certainly the first three of the six I propose we leave it there um, and you know um, in in the in the next episode we can go into the other six and then uh, you know see where that takes us um and maybe d- dive a bit deeper on all six of them i mean as as you know as you know and guests know uh, and listeners are on on these uh these podcast episodes we never know quite where we're going to go next or what we're going to be uh, you know where the dance is going to take us and that i think is the epitome of the you know i think there's a certain certainty in that um in the fact that you know people are uncertain about what's what's going to happen next hopefully anyway and that's certainly some of the feedback that i've received Um, And the fact that, you know, hopefully these podcast episodes become, um, you know, significant in people's lives. So maybe that's three needs that's been met just by one simple podcast. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? knows? (laughs) So, um, okay then, Kim. Um, So how can people get in touch with you? I know we've got previous show notes on previous episodes, which is fine, Mm -hmm. but uh, should listeners just be listening to this as a one off I think it's worth, um, you know, sharing your uh, contact details again.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Paul. Uh, so I'm about to um, spell something for, for the listeners. So if you want to grab a piece of paper or open up the notes on your phone, um, the best way to find me is to Google me. Um, and my name is Kim, K-Y-M-H-A-M-E-R. So it's Kim Haber. H-A-M-E-R. And then um, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm on YouTube. So you can find me on whatever um, platform suits you.
1: Super. And, as you know, Kim, as we always draw things to a close, I ask, um, um, I'm not going to do the elevator pitch on this one. It's becoming old. It's becoming too certain now.
0: (laughs) Oh, no. What are you going to ask me, Paul? (laughs) Well, it's
1: it's, it's, it's just, it's a very simple one. I mean, I will, I think, on the next one, um, add a bit of variety in at the end. So just be (laughs) keep just to keep guests on the toes and, you know, keep... um, Yeah, keep things significant. Um, Just to ask you simply, uh, Kim, you know, we've spoke about certainty, we've spoke about uncertainty or variety, and we've spoke about significance. I mean, on, on, you know, just sort of focusing on any one of those three or all three, what would be your piece of advice to, to leave to our listeners?
0: I think my piece of advice, the most powerful piece of advice I ever was told was that you can't control everything. You need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and uncertain. And if you are able to be with that, then you will, it, it's like the world opens up for you. So that that would be my piece of advice is that just, just practice being with being uncertain, that there's nothing wrong. It's just, you don't know what's going to happen. Mm. So maybe a little exercise between now and the next the next time we talk, Paul.
1: That's that's a great share, actually. That really is a very uh, simple but very powerful share, because though that those new things are found in in found in places that we haven't been before. Hence the term they're new. Um, but we don't want to do that, really. As human, you know, better the devil, you know. Stick to what you know best, yes. and you know that certainty. It's got a lot to answer for. Certainty has, hasn't it? <laughs> In good
0: ways and in bad, yeah. I think, as we've yeah.
1: discussed today. <laughs> yeah. And on that um, and on that note, Kim, thank you very much once again. And um, we'll sign off here, as I always do, by saying, listeners, no matter what you do in life, always walk your path with Hearts.
0: Hearts, helping everyone achieve results towards success.